0: Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. We have a very special guest today, Dylan Davis, who you may know as Gorganian Tome or Cathartigan.
1: Dylan has been a content creator for over half a year, focusing on long-term content and a member of the online fab community for much longer. His channel, Gorganian Tome, has recently received broad accolades for his video essay, Flesh and Blood is a Fighting Game. But as of the time of this recording, that video is the fourth of five long-form video essays, and we really look forward to discussing these more today. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you. That was so like, oh, it sounded so cool to, <laughs>
2: to hear it right out like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a cool guy dylan and oh thank you can't, can't wait to talk talk with you today
0: yeah we're really excited about this episode yeah. um we usually like to start off with like the old elevator pitch so can you tell us sure. a little bit about yourself and a your background on your uh history and games
2: and whatnot for sure for sure yeah so um yeah my name is dylan um and uh i was uh, born and raised in utah and then during my i i went to study my master's um for a master's of fine arts degree in fiction writing, um, in Illinois at, uh, in Southern Illinois university. And from there, um, I met my now wife and then we moved to, she's German. So then we moved to Southern Germany and from, and, and it was there actually where I found fab. But before that, um, I was playing, um, playing magic. Uh, I played magic throughout college. I'm not one of those people that like, I I hear this story all the time of people who started playing magic when they were like 12 and then they got to high school, they stopped playing and Mm -hmm. then they graduate from high school and they either start playing again in college or they start playing again after college. And I started a lot later. I started at like 18 or so. After a couple of years, I stopped playing it and then Hearthstone came out. And because I wasn't much of a card gamer, but I played the Hearthstone I loved for until I realized why I don't love it. And then uh <laughs> and then went back to Magic and I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's still pretty good. Um but then um when I moved to Germany, my uh, my really good friend messaged me saying, "Have you heard of Flesh and Blood?" because we he, he and I play Magic together all the time. And uh and I said, no, I haven't heard of it. And so I, I, I bought my original cards. So they were cards were really hard to get in Europe at that time. Um, but I got, you, might, you guys probably have heard of him, Ian TCG?
0: Yep. I he used him. to
2: sell cards. Yeah. Um, Ian Jang. And I don't think he does anymore, but he, I, I love to shout him out everywhere I can because mm-hmm. he's really cool. I just actually finally met him at Battle Hardened, um, Germany. Nice. And uh, it was just like a really weird like parasocial thing because it wasn't even like parasocial like he doesn't really do a lot. He doesn't do a lot of like interviews. Um, I was like, Oh my God, you sold me my first cards. And also probably the reason why I'm a content creator. It's, <laughs> it's very strange to see you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, game one of flesh and blood. I was like, I'm in this is like the coolest game. It was really hard to get stuff, though. And I, I because in Europe, like if your game is not on card market, which is like our biggest secondary market retailer, yeah. it's really hard to grow. It's really hard to get cards. Um, So I kind of put it down. And then at uprising at fab 2.0 there, the cards were on card market. And I was like, I'm done. Like, this is the game I'm playing. Because my mind is just perfect. (laughs) Or as close to perfect as you can get. As far as like history with gaming, it's more like I card gaming is like a, a really intense part of my gaming life. But it's not a very long one. I've been playing card games for about a decade. And the rest of my life was like, I played a lot of shooters. I played a lot of computer PC games, a lot of strategy games. But I always played games, and I realized this in my in my late twenties. I always played games that told stories better than other games. And I don't mean stories in terms of like narrative, which is stapled onto a game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the game itself tells a story. the The ludic elements. Um, tell the story right I, I if you guys are familiar with rim world for example a little bit um deb yeah. a game is a it, it considers itself a fiction generator um and and it's brilliant it's it's an incredible um fiction generator because it understands fiction and um and in my background with fiction i've always been chasing this like i've, I've written for a bunch of games Um, like the story and, um, I've made a couple, I've made one really fun game that, um, or at least it's fun for me. That's based on my novel that I wrote while I was in my uh, master's degree. And, uh, so yeah, I've always been kind of chasing that thing of like, what is the game that can tell the best story? Um, and that's something we can talk about. I I could talk about that for (laughs) days without sleeping and, uh, yeah, eating and et cetera something that um
1: really speaks to me about what you said was you, you know or something that I'm reminded of is Ludo narratives and and Ludo narrative mm-hmm. dissonance mm-hmm. and this is a huge thing when it comes to the board game community which is where right. Shay and I come from more than than trading cards um just for for a game like Agricola the board game mm-hmm. do you feel like you're a farmer do you feel like you're you're working year to year to feed your family and there's all these pressures or, or do you not? And if you don't, does that impact your enjoyment of a game? And Mm -hmm. hearing you speak those words in that way. Yeah. Just, just reminds me that there's, there's a lot of different ways, which, which people enjoy and engage with, uh, with gaming. And that's, that's why it's
2: such a powerful, uh, medium, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would consider myself like there's a term I really like from another podcast called the dive down. It's a magic podcast. Um, and I don't really play competitive magic anymore, but I still like listening to them and they, they, they call their themselves, um, the podcast for the casual spike. And, um, that's what I consider myself. Like, I really like to be competitive. Being competitive is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't get that. Like I will kill you competitive. Like I, I can't get that cutthroat, like I can't get that way it just doesn't doesn't work for me so um it doesn't work for my personality so like i i like to win i like to compete but if the game is not telling me an interesting story i'm not gonna be able to get it like i'm just not gonna it's not gonna work (laughs) it's it has to be able to do that too
0: yeah so you kind of mentioned not like that specific story that's being told in front of you. Can you give me an example of more kind of what you're talking about when a game is telling a story that's not just like some narrative in front of you?
2: Right. Yeah. So the way that um the way that I like to and this is where actually flesh and blood is a is a fight scene my my video comes from because in in fiction there's a people don't really like to think of fiction like this because they like to think that fiction is like this you know, it's like this artistic form born of the gods and the muses came to you and they were like, By the way, this is what you should do. But like (laughs) the, like there's a really, there's a really concise form for how to generate emotion through, through story. And it's by establishing what the entering emotion of a character is presenting a conflict, which is at odds with their entering emotion, right? So if a character is happy, then the, then the conflict of that needs to be you should not be happy and then the exiting motion needs to be uh, the opposite of what the entering emotion is mm-hmm. right So if you're happy, <clears throat> you're presented with a conflict, you leave the scene sad. you need to be opposite and then you go into the next scene sad and then you need to go back to happy right And this is this is how it goes. Um, this is every single piece of fiction ever, um, every successful piece of fiction right. So, what I talk about with that, with in games, is like being able to simulate the um, that roller coaster of emotion well. Um, so, like in Flesh and Blood, the this is and this is what I talk about in Flesh and Blood as a fight scene is that it already has a lot of the. Uh, let me back up a little bit. So, a game, a game story is innately second person because when you're playing a game the game is like imagine you're reading the game is over a book it would say you put your farmer on the crop area right you spent too much money and therefore lost your you know market share at the end of the monopoly season i've never yeah. played monopoly sure. i don't know um but the 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 you question is the really important one right and so when all games are innately second person that means that the character that you're watching in the game world needs to be close enough to the player that they can feel the emotion with the, 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 the game character simultaneously. Right. So you can't have like and then Dorinthia was really sad, right? Like I play the card that says Dorinthia is really sad. It can't be the case. The emotion mm-hmm. needs to be felt by the player, not by Dorinthia. Right. Yep and that's the way that you can best simulate the narrative structure through game like the game the game needs to do what it does best which is make game mechanics that simulate emotions in the player Um, and and this is why i have so many complaints about game stories in general that like when you look at a like a lot of people say like well you shoot 200 people and therefore, ludonarrative dissonance, and it's like, well, it's not necessarily ludonarrative dissonance in that regard. The, the problem is, is that people don't work hard. Like the game developers don't work hard enough to make that feel emotional for the player. And so, yeah. Anyway, that's there's that's kind of my kind of my thing. So, the your question specifically, did I answer your question? I hope I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so too. But let me. Uh, your question was. Um, give you give you an example about how games can tell a story. Yeah. And the way that the way that, for example, flesh and blood, the way that I think of flesh and blood can tell a really good story is that moment when it's about 30 minutes into the game and you look over at your deck and you have a lot fewer cards than you thought, right? Mm-hmm. You go to you go to, to draw up your four and you're like, ooh, I'm a, I'm more tired than I was expecting, right? Or conversely, you go to draw up and you see your opponent go to draw up, and they have a lot fewer cards in their deck than you thought. And you're looking at your deck and you have a lot more than they do. Right. And there's this moment, this kind of it, emotional response where it's like, do I need to pivot here? Do I need to, what do I need to do? Right. And that, that moment is a very, is a very interesting moment because it's, it does a very good job of simulating a turn, um, which in in a turn in in fiction is the is an emotional switching Mm -hmm. based on the new information right so like entering emotion conflict and then there's a turn right after the conflict which is where the character shifts their emotion right and they go oh that's how it is in this scene got it now i'm going to feel like this going on my way out and so if you go in, you're like, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to be aggressive. And then you look at your deck and it's almost empty and you're like, I can't be aggressive. I've got a switch mm-hmm. and I now I'm going to go back. And this is the game. There's there's no narrative. There's no written prescribed narrative taking place in that. It's just that the game either by happenstance or by design has figured out a way to create that emotional response in you while you're playing and that's incredible to me
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's a fantastic example actually like even just tonight at our pre-release i think everybody is at one point in their career of flesh and blood is like you said look down at their deck and gone i got four cards left yeah how how am i gonna win and it it, you're right it it kind of evokes a sense of emotion that you weren't necessarily expecting to have just playing Mm -hmm. a card game
2: right yep
1: yeah no th- this kind of stuff has a way of impacting you as a player in in a way that seems odd when you look at it from a third party perspective or a robotic perspective mm-hmm. um, but but when you're embroiled in that fight and I feel this as keenly in flesh and blood as I do in the most intense video game or even mm-hmm. even watching sports you feel this to a certain extent right your team is ahead your team has the momentum but suddenly they give up the give up the ball and the other team, goes in for Mm -hmm. a big score like there's a roller coaster of emotions there um far above and beyond the physical mechanical actions of the players on the pitch or on the rink or on the court um but but here when we when we play flesh and blood it's so visceral and Mm -hmm. you and the hero are almost one right and and you're you're feeling those emotions up and down With the Mm -hmm. hero.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Or like another great example to carry on with this is that I just thought of, um, is uh the from software games. This is what they understood more and better than anybody else in the industry, is that if they push the the prescribed narrative into like the very into the ethereal, right? Where it's like it's pretty hard to understand what's going on in those games sometimes. It doesn't matter because what they understand is that they're a game and they don't tell a game through traditional narrative they tell a game through the emotions of the player and you don't evoke emotions through the player through the story you evoke emotions through the player via play and so when you beat that dude i mean i've never sworn so much my life as when i've played bloodborne <laughs> and and dark souls like like ah, i'm going to kill you yeah um that that frustration and then that inevitable Win. that's actually the addictive thing which is, so it's funny to me when i hear people talk about it because it's like well, you're not actually addicted to the to the story you're addicted to the you're addicted to this to the story in a different way yeah like you love the narrative of of you triumphing right even though your avatar is the one who actually swung the digital sword at the digital demon you are the one who triumphed right you beat them mm-hmm um, and that's what I'm talking about. And so that in, in flesh and blood evokes that, that same thing. And it's really hard because like, I have a really hard time. I know that it's like, it's considered bad manners when you play against other players, but if there's a really intense match and I can get, and when, when I say intense match, I mean like I, this happens to me at my armor at least once a week, um, but when I have a really intense match and I win it, I try really hard not to like do it, but I am always like, Oh, <laughs> i try yeah because i i know it's considered like not nice to do not to have like this catharsis of emotion at the end of the match but like i can't help it it's like i do that when i'm watching lord of the rings you know it's it's so hard there there,
0: (laughs) matches can be like very stressful you're sitting there Mm -hmm. thinking that you're about to win what could your opponent possibly have and you're like okay i've presented them with what i think is the end of the game where I'm gonna win and they are mm. they don't just concede immediately and you're like, oh my God, what do they mm. have? What are they thinking about? What can they what can yeah, they right. do to circumvent what I've just done? And yeah, then they eventually put their cards down, reach out their fist or their hand to congratulate mm-hmm. you. I think we've all experienced it, you know, yeah. and yeah, you don't want to necessarily put it out there to you know maybe make them feel bad, but like you know we've all been there.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's just it might just be a little too much in an armory, like I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the, uh, the battle hardened level, I mean, when I went and worked at the battle hardened Germany, um, I'd like I I helped on the back end with the stream and like interviewed players and stuff, and I was always amazed. One of the things that really stood out to me, pretty quickly, was I would you know I'd be watching the match the whole time, and then one one would win, and then there would be that release of emotion. And I would walk up to the winner and I'd be like, do you want to do an interview? And they're like, yeah, sure. And but what I noticed before that was that the two players would continue to talk after the match. They were like, oh, man, the when you did that. And I, I had that in Arsenal about it, you know, like they were yeah. and they were going back and forth. And I was like, oh, my God, this is gold. And so when the matches started ending, I was like, do you guys want to talk to each other on camera with two microphones? Right. And like before you get gone. Because what you're telling, you're like telling the story of the match and you're going to do it better than me. So like I grabbed them and I, you know, bring them to the camera and I'm like, here, your microphones continue to talk about what you're just talking about. And they did such a better job at explaining what happened in that last match than I ever could have, that I was like, why don't more people do this? I mean, I understand like a lot of people don't want to do the interview. Yep. Um, But it was so interesting to watch them talk about it because they were so much more emotionally invested than I was in the match. Right. Just innately because they're in the match. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just a really interesting thing to watch happen.
0: Is there, um, is there a way to check
2: that out? Like, like is there um, I like, I'll, uh, I know that we had, cause what we did was we, we had like this project where we sent the, the stream out to a bunch of different, um, european content creators because like there's so many different languages here so we said we had like a polo stream a Mm -hmm. spanish stream and but i think there might be a raw stream somewhere Mm -hmm. that you can just skip around and find the interviews
0: yeah that actually sounds really interesting to watch because like Mm -hmm. a lot of times even just watching a armory stream on youtube or going back and watching vods you can hear the players talking but then you know the commentators come over, or there's too much right. background that, that you can't hear. And I have actually, I personally have always been interested in hearing what what the um, players are talking about with their match. Because even as a viewer, you're also invested. Maybe you have an affinity with one of the players, right. and they won or, or they hero. lost, and you want to hear yeah. what they're talking about. Because as a spectator, you're yeah, you're I think you're invested in in the match as well to a certain degree. Right, totally, totally. So mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be interesting to. To see if there yeah' I'll, uh, I'll okay. see if I
2: can find it I'll see if I can All find
0: cool. it um another further question to the, this this topic um have you always enjoyed thinking about games and your hobbies like on a higher level and something more than just what's presented to you um
2: yeah in some way I the, the, basically what's every year on year I just add more vocabulary to talk about it like that that's kind of what I've discovered is going back through my history I always gravitated towards games that did something like this. And I didn't realize it, but I like um, so like a standout game for me is like uh, Chronicles of Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay, where like a lot of people wouldn't consider this game like a really good narrative game. But the emotions that that game evoke through just its existence are really interesting to me. And I loved that game. So like while people were playing, you know, the latest Call of Duty, I was like Chronicles of Riddick. And looking back on that, it's like, okay, I think I kind of understand why. I get why I was doing that. Um, I just didn't know at the time. And then around about early mid 20s, when I was starting to understand narrative more, that was when I started like developing this higher level understanding or this this affinity for trying to uh, analyze all of the games and why I love them. Um, just to understand games, right? Yeah. Like. But it was about that time. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, let's um, let's take a bit of a step into the content that you make nowadays. And sure, I mean, would you characterize the videos that you make on Gorganian Tome video essays?
2: Yeah, I would consider them video essays. Yeah. That's um, uh, Ira of Mysteria on Twitter. She recently put out a. You know, what do you, what what content do you make? And I uh, kind of jokingly said um, that I write essays about flesh and blood, or I write essays about arts and history, and then I use the other to examine the other. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm either writing so- about something in arts or history, and then I'm using flesh and blood to examine that, or I'm writing an essay about flesh and blood, and I'm using arts or history to examine flesh and blood. And that's kind of like the, the elevator pitch, I guess, or the, the best way to describe the channel.
1: No, that's 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 super cool and super unique. Uh, uh as of right now, at least uh, within the the flesh and blood sphere. Um, would you be able to just um tell us in your own words? I guess some people may not even be familiar with what a video essay is. Would you mind just uh giving everyone a thirty second spiel about the format itself and and what makes it compelling
2: uh, to you? Yeah. So. The thing about video essays, I'm going to try to do this in 30 seconds um, yep. <laughs> because I love essays. So uh, quick, very quick thing. I used to teach English um, in at the university. So um, a video essay, and this is one of the reasons why I fell in love with video essays, is uh, I love that they're the exact same as essays. They are essays that you read uh, into a microphone and then you put, uh, cool pictures with, right? And, um, but an essay, a video essay will, f- will operate on the fundamental same qualities as any essay you wrote in high school or college, which is that you need to have a thesis statement, you need to have multiple arguments that back up that thesis statement, and you need a good conclusion, right? And that's it. And, um, and so that's ultimately a, a video essay is is an essay that takes a lot longer and it requires a couple more skills like video editing and audio editing, (laughs) but that's ultimately what it is. It's, it's pick a subject, develop a thesis on it, write to it, and then, um, put nice pictures to it in a video editor.
0: I I like Felix, how you asked Dylan to describe video essays, but not Luda narrative dissonance, which I had never heard (laughs) of this term until now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. Good, good point. I think because well, I I, can... I've said the words ludonarrative dissonance so many times throughout my life. Right. I figured it was just common, common
2: language. Yeah. Yeah. Not to well, this I person think... over here. I, I can also briefly describe that one in 30 seconds. Since, since we're I here, think too. you're the most qualified person to do so. So please, please. Okay. So there's, there's something called ludology, right? Ludology is the study of game. And then there's something called narratology and that's the study of story. Right, and so a lot of people like to consider lud- lud- ludology and narratology separate forms. But there's a new kind of thought process, which is that there is a spectrum between ludology and narratology. So, ludol like think of it at like a scale, right? Um, on at one completely ludology, that's like go or uh, I don't want to say chess because chess actually is pretty good at telling a narrative, but, um, like, uh, think of the most abstract board game you can think of, right? Mahjong or something that's like a one on the Ludology scale. Mm -hmm. And then the narratology scale is like a novel, right? right? And the, the, the degree of interactivity is what determines, um, where, where it lands on the scale. So there's the ludological and the narratological um, spectrum and so where ludonarrative distance comes in is the miss or at least in my opinion the slight misunderstanding that these are two separate things and that they don't exist on the same spectrum and so what they think is that there's ludology and there's narratology and if you put them together in the same form then uh, if you put like a video game for example and you're doing stuff in play that doesn't match what's in the story there's a dissonance between the two things. Right. right. So a classic example is like, um, like Nathan Drake games Have you played the uncharted yep. games. So Nathan Drake is like, a Indiana Jones, happy go lucky. Like, yeah, I'm a normal dude. What's going on. And then he like shoots 55 people yeah, yeah. going through a city and it's like, well, he can't be both. Like yeah. it can't be, he's either evil and he murders people willy nilly or he's a fun, happy go lucky Indiana Jones dude. And that's ludonarrative dissonance. Right. It's like this, like this clashing of these two things. Thank you. Yeah,
1: a, a lot yeah. <laughs> of times in, in board games, because uh, I was a big nerd when it came to board games, and whenever there was a game where it felt like you were supposed to do something within the narrative of the game, but the mechanics of the game, or you just weren't sold mm-hmm. on your actions, like again, I talked about Agricola. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, Agricola, which is a story about, which is a game, sorry, about farming, but Mm -hmm. it's not like you're a big multimillion dollar, like farming conglomerate. Monsanto. Yeah, yeah, you're you're a family that's scrapping to feed itself every year and you feel that pressure. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you can't feed your family, you get a begging token because your family has to, <laughs> to beg oh, for God. food on the street.
2: Like, oh, it's very satisfying brutal. in that I way. I love that. Yeah. Oh, God. I might have to pick up a coffee that game. Yeah. That, that right there, like, that yeah. begging token is, like, ooh, emotions. <laughs> they're they're thinking about it.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I do yeah. feel stressed out when I play that game, just as I would imagine I would be stressed out if I were a subsistence farmer in the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. that's little narrative. Yeah. Um, yeah, for for you. But yeah, uh, yeah.
2: And it's all through you didn't read. You read the word begging. Yeah, that's all that's all you did. Everything else is from the mechanics, right? There's nothing innate about that token. That should make you feel that way. Yeah. But the way that it's used in the design of the game, yeah. evokes this feeling of guilt, right, which is what you're supposed to feel. Exactly. And it's like, Oh, my God, a game can do that a game can make you feel guilt. Yeah, I think this is actually why a lot of people really love board games over video games as, as well. Oh because yeah. I think board games tend to pl- to design toward this more. Um, oh yeah. Man, we are we are wandering a lot. So uh, thanks for my staying with us, everyone. It's is my fault that we're wandering. Oh man. I, I, this is what I mean. This is if you wanted to interview Gorgonian Tome and get a get a sense of what Gorgonian Tom's life is like, it's like this. It's going lunar narrative dissonance. Uh, there's a spectrum. Let's follow. What does this game do? <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's it's just this is the everyday.
1: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's let's head back to, to video essays, and I mean, sure. just just to share a, a, a little bit. Um, I mean, video essays have been a big part of your life, um, as mm-hmm. you've explained, uh, Dylan. Been a big part of my life as well. I remember when when YouTube came out, or at least got popular, when I was in high school, and the mm-hmm. first video essays that I remember were ten minutes long exactly, because that's how long YouTube videos were supposed to be. It's like the meaning mm-hmm. of Ocarina of Time. Or right, in ten this, minutes, this explained, <laughs> yeah, and and it just just went from there. And there's so many great video essays nowadays. Uh, we we mm-hmm. mentioned, um, you know, some of my favorite uh, Lindsay Ellis, Every Frame a Painting, and Dan Olson, who is mm-hmm. also from Calgary, just like Shay and I. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, I, I I mean, did you draw inspiration for Gorganian Tome, uh, your channel, from any of these creators?
2: Definitely Lindsay Ellis, definitely every frame of painting. But I would say that the three biggest influences on my channel, and these will come as no surprise, are Ristic Studies, number one, like King of the Mountain, Ristic Studies. He's like, <clears throat> he's basically doing what I'm doing, except for he focuses a little bit more on the art history, um, of magic cards. And if you have not seen Ristic Studies, uh, just you know go after this podcast l- listeners go l- go watch that those videos because he is like i i put this out on twitter the other day he is approaching mastery of his craft he is mm. incredible he's so good at what he does but yeah so ristic studies number one number two spice eight rack um spice eight rack is another magic content creator but he makes these incredible long-form documentaries about like magic mechanics and communism basically um because he's he's a self-proclaimed communist and um or it excuse me he, he doesn't use traditional pronouns um the the videos of spice 8 rack are very much focused on um like like he'll do a vi- or a video on yawgmoth a creature in magic's lore and then it'll be a it'll turn into a two and a half hour documentary about eugenics and like um and euthanasia and and they're brutal and amazing they're so good number two number three Corey gaming which is basically a documentarian video essayist about fighting games and i love corey gaming um gerald is his name and he's he's so good at what he does those are my three major influences and who i learned from the most i would say and then probably fourth would be lindsay ellis because she's so damn good at it oh yeah
1: no, there's uh there there's such a rich history of uh of video essayists um on YouTube throughout all the years. And mm-hmm. I mean now we have Gorganian tome representing uh <laughs> flesh and blood as well. So that's yeah. that's really awesome. And I mean, do you feel like there's a rich enough environment out there, let's say, because you mentioned that there's two very large notable content creators covering the the magic landscape from mm, their own mm-hmm. perspectives flesh and blood is a younger game um, right. e- even from the raw number of cards available to analyze yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that's the right metric but even from that metric the the amount of of the landscape out there to look at is just vastly less is is there right. enough there to to keep you going to keep you interested enough cool corners to to look at yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, yes, uh, there, there, there's definitely enough. The, the question is, how? For me anyway, is how creative can I get with the angles? Right? Because you're right. I mean, like looking at looking at flesh and blood cards, the one thing that I just wish there was a little bit more of is flavor text. That's right. like my own, That's my literal only like, please, just a little more flavor text. Um, is a, I look at a card like snatch. And it just says, you know, if it hits straw hard. Right. And I'm like, there's so much space. space, just like, just a little line, like anything, anything at all, you know, a quote from a character or uh, the, 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 the Solana um, has a mixed relationship with their street urchins or whatever, anything, anything. Yeah. Um, is this
1: someone stealing to harm someone? Or is this someone stealing because they can't, put food on the table i mean it's a vastly right. different emotion and yeah yeah all of that yeah
0: so how do you keep track of that do you have like a charlie day board somewhere or <laughs> can you sort of track all of that in your mind you you read these tidbits and these things on the cards how do you mm-hmm. correlate them or remember that oh i saw this on you know mangle back in crew and we're you know 10 sets later
2: right yeah that's a good question um well i definitely so i have a folder of all the current cards that have flavor text so it's kind of like just a rolling like i update it yeah and i and i grab i'm like oh that one has flavor text grab it put it in the folder um so i can just have like my one-stop shop to go look at all of my all of the all of my they're not my look at all the cards that have flavor text um but yeah the there's definitely enough there it's just a matter of Developing creative angles about it, right? So, like, for example, um, you guys might have seen how, because I've talked about it a lot, how much I've struggled to make the prison video. Yeah. And I want because I want to make a prison video, I want to do, like, there's a number of series I want to do. So, like, the story of Starvo, right? That is one, that is episode one in a series of videos I want to do about each hero that reaches living legend. Hmm. And the original plan was to do prism like so it was going to be the Starvo prism chain and then probably old him after that. Yeah. And um and I, I sat down to write the prism video and it quickly ballooned in like into you know 15,000 words and I was like this is and it, and it was really rambly and it didn't have a subject and it didn't it just wasn't working so I scrapped it all and I was like okay let's go back and I grabbed phantasm I grabbed my section on phantasm and I made that into a video so I could talk about phantasm um and in that moment, I think it's it becomes relatively clear how much you can actually talk about in Flesh and Blood. Because I had like a 15,000 word essay about Prism, and I could have broken that out into four different videos. Yeah. Right. Um, and I don't want to do that all the time, but there's enough. Like, think of it just at the number of keywords in the game, or like, like I could, because there's Phantasm, I could do a video on Dominate, I could do a video on Go Again, I could do a video on, um, so many things or like draw a card what does that mean right like if you're thinking about the and again like when you're in the world of like what does a ludo narrative do what 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 does it mean to draw a card there's so much to talk about (laughs) there's so much it's not always going to be clear but that's why like i like to do this exploratory stuff where i just kind of start going and i start i'm like okay drawing a card means um a new thought has entered the mind so new new neurons are connected okay what does that mean if we're gonna new neurons are connected in actual psychology and you can see where it goes from here right um so like oh there's neurons connecting in the middle of the fight brains and then i can do an essay on brains and, and drawing a card
1: You've made me so excited for your your upcoming videos about dominate and go again and all those other keywords because now that you've said it, I mean, and I should have made this connection when watching your Phantasm video. But really, because flesh and blood is quite, um, you know, narratively consistent in, in that mm-hmm. it feels like you're in a 1v1 fight, you know, or duel right. of some kind, I can picture very well what dominate means you know to me dominate means this attack is coming in with such force that you can't bring your full shield up to to protect yourself right. and go again mm-hmm. means my attacks are so quick I'm, I'm hitting you so many different times and you can't right you don't know what's coming up next after my first light attack what's right, is it the right. right hand is it the left hand like is it right. a big kick like man like now, now that you've put it that way like i'm i i better you, you you'd better be putting out your next videos yeah. about all these keywords yeah. really soon i'm i'm so yeah. excited
2: yeah, yeah yeah i definitely will i'll uh i, I don't there's a couple things that i want to do there's a one script i've written and then there's another script that is i'm really excited about but it is continuing on some other things that i don't i can't control yet sure. but that rest assured i will definitely be making a video about each keyword that i can write about uh, there might be one that i'm just like there's nothing here there's always something but i could say that you
0: you seem pretty creative enough to find ways like uh, i didn't realize how excited i would be to deep diving into go again and what you can do with that like what does it mean to play a non attack action with go again what what is that right. what does that look like Conceptually, right. as opposed to like abstract in the game where you're just playing a card,
2: right? So yeah, it'll be exactly. very interesting
0: to see, you know, I guess what you come up with. I'm going to put you on the spot there mm-hmm. for that because
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be no, it'll be I, I when I first thought about it because it really is true that Phantasm was like one of the reasons why I fell in love with Flesh and Blood. Like I, I because I bought the Prism precon, the Leviathan precon, and the Bolton precon, and I gave my wife the the Leviathan precon to play against me as Prism. And I attacked with a herald and I was like, this is so cool. Look at the above rate damage I'm doing. And then she put out a six block or a six attack and it blew up. And I was like, I am in love with this game Mm -hmm. because I understood in that moment what that actually was and it was it wasn't real. This attack wasn't real, so it needed to be believed in order to do damage. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool Um, that you need to believe the illusion. And and all of that stuff, like I knew I, I knew I wanted to make a video about that. But when I had sat down to write Phantasm, I was like, oh, my God, there's so many of these like I could totally I could write an essay about every single one of these bolded words. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just it's, it's very fun. Like it, It's the way you
0: described Phantasm <laughs> uh, was amazing. Um, cause yeah. you were like, thank you. The, the well, from a, from a fantasy player that I like, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons my whole life. I actually struggled with sort of your concept at first. I'm like high intelligence, high wisdom. People always saw through things that were fake illusions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when you kind of, when you contextualized it in your phantasm video that they were too preoccupied to see these sleight of hand moments and, you know, Reinar's too, you know, too big or too simple minded to care about these fake things being thrown at him that he just shoves right. them to the side. I was like, that is a fantastic analogy and a way to put it. And
1: right, yeah, yeah, I just
0: thought it was a great way to, to do it and help me kind of understand more. Cause at first I was kind of like fighting your argument at first. And I was like, okay, right, you, know what? Right. You, you convinced me in the end. And I, yeah, yeah. is just a I'm way glad really good
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I there there was a little bit of pushback in that video. I had one what, a couple of commenters who were like, "Yeah, I don't I don't, I'm not buying it here. I think it's this and this and and that's totally fine. I actually oh, yeah. one of the main goals with Gorgoni and and is is not so much to be completely right all the time. It's it's like these are, you know, when you're writing essays, especially essays about the arts, is you're like I'm gonna write i am I'm I'm gonna examine um, Cormac McCarthy's *The Road* through a deconstructionist postmodernism perspective, and it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I doubt Cormac McCarthy was thinking about that in the postmodern sense, but sure, you can. Um, and but the the idea is to analyze to treat *Flesh and Blood* as though it is a piece of art, which it is. Yep. T- treat it as a piece of art. And examine the piece of art from different perspectives so as to start a conversation, a deeper conversation about this thing that we all love, right? And so disagreement is actually really good because if I say, this is what I think Phantasm is, I hope somebody out there is like, that's not right. I have a better idea. And then they go and write their essay examining Phantasm from a different perspective. And now we have multiple content creators all examining this game and providing different interpretations and ideas for how what is actually happening when you do it. And that is how you build, you know, an artistic basis to talk about something. Um so yeah, I, I'm glad I convinced you of my argument. Well, but I go ahead, sorry.
0: Oh, sorry, no, I was gonna say that what I liked about it was that you challenged my preconceived notion of what sure. something like an illusion would be. And I still have that when it comes to something like fantasy and dungeons and dragons, but mm-hmm. what you've done is in the world of flesh and blood, you've let me accept. That it, it can also be this way, and smart mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. intelligent and wise people, can be still fooled. Right, and so right. you can have both. I don't have, just to have to have one way to look at this. And sort of, sure, so so totally. you've opened yeah. my eyes to looking at it in a different perspective. Totally,
2: totally. totally. yeah. And so that's yeah.
0: what I, I think is really good about your like the way it was delivered, and like you said, having these conversations and mm-hmm. you know getting people to um, come back with you know maybe their not necessarily argument, but a rebuttal
2: as to why or why sure. not. Right. Different interpretation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, I'm glad like this is the stuff that makes me like so happy that I'm doing this. Like when I hear people say like, they, you know, mixed emotions, happy, uh, change their mind. Like these are, I I didn't realize this at first. Like I was, I thought I was just making videos because I really like to make videos. Mm -hmm. But what I've realized is I love the responses from people. Yeah. As, almost as much like I when I'm writing I'm like I wonder what they're gonna think about this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder what the I wonder what people are gonna think about this idea right here in this paragraph um it's so it's so cool that's why I also respond to every comment yeah um I I love to because I just i love to it's just so that cool. that, enga- that engagement yeah it's it's so fun I yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> so keeping I guess
0: keeping with the creative process can you kind of describe sort of how you go about one of your videos. Cause like most content creators, even us, we just talk about um, like recent news and events. We interview guests. We're not doing mm-hmm. a lot of original research or making thesis statements about
2: game mechanics. Where do you get this idea from? Um, so a lot of it is just kind of like, I'm a, I'm just a pretty passionate guy. Like there's a, what usually ends up happening is I see something and, and I'm like, that's really cool. And then in like two months, I know everything about it. Because it's like I, because I have to. It's just kind of how I am. Like it's just a weird obsessive thinker about if I find something I enjoy thinking about, I will continue to think about it until there is no more thinking about it. Um, and so the process of the videos is like I'm just always kind of on the lookout for things that I that I am interested in in terms of the game. Like because I talk about the game and I look at the game all the time. Like I'm on February probably every day. Um, or I'm watching a video, I'm consuming other people's content. Um, and, and I'm kind of just always in the back of my mind thinking like, oh, what about that? That's interesting. And then the process becomes, I start writing about a subject and researching it at the same time. So like I'm writing the thoughts and the feelings that I'm having about something at the time while also researching things like, um, oh like the phantasm video right so while i was writing the phantasm script i was looking up a lot of stuff that ended up getting cut so like i i i had a whole section on, in the video about um, magicians and how magicians are telling a story as well right and the magicians actually operate on a similar function to storytellers that they they use, they employ similar tricks and there was this whole thing where i was like i was talking about a, a video done by wired and the like the anatomy of a magic trick and um and then eventually, like as I was going through the script, I'm like, this is just so bloated and it's not working. Yeah. So like I get to the end, I record it and I'm like, oh, I throw that out. That's like way too much. So I throw that part out and then and then I'm like, I read through the script again. I'm like, "Now nah, I'm now I'm missing something here, you know, in between these this part. So then I go back and I do I find something else that I can fit there. And so that's why script. that's why t- the videos takes a damn long yeah. because it's it takes me forever to write them. Um, because not because I'm like typing slowly or because I don't write. It's that I'm writing the essay and then I'm like deleting half of it. Well not deleting, moving to a different document. Um I, I always take I don't delete anything, I just move it to a different document yeah. and then it exists somewhere as untitled dot docx. Um and I don't remember where it is and I can't find it. Uh and then <laughs> but uh <laughs> But then I go back and I rewrite sections of the script and then I go, okay, that's better. This is actually so much better than the original. I need to rewrite the original paragraph. And then I edit and that takes forever because I'm not a particularly strong editor. I feel you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So is it just like a a feel thing? So you, you get your, your story written and like you said, Mm -hmm. it feels bloated and too much. Is it just like a feel on how you sort of look at it and what you're going to remove and, how does then that contextualize the rest of it cuz you take a piece out and i would imagine that later in the script or in the video you're referring to something that you've already taken out and that's right. no, that piece is no
2: longer there yeah yeah no it can be a nightmare um in that regard like i think i just have enough experience like basically all of my adult life has been working with documents and and like i so i was a technical writer for the air force for like 7 years every job I've ever held outside of like that one restaurant job I had for a couple of months was, um, has been writing in some way. So I just have a lot of experience yeah. with documents and writing. Uh, and, but you're right. I mean, that is one of the, like a challenge with the script is like just cutting things out can, can definitely lead to problems later. For example, just to, like a little peek behind the curtain is at the beginning of flesh and blood as a fighting game that, Um, that original section at the beginning where I talk about the different mana systems, that actually was kind of a failure on my part that I ended up leaving in because I thought it was a good enough intro. Right. So the mana systems actually kind of came into play a little bit later in the video, but it was that later part was tied to something that made the video too bloated and confusing. Right. Um, But as for advice for people, or if anybody is interested in writing video essays, in essays in general, like if you're in college right now, for example, listen up, because this is something that your English teacher probably didn't teach you, which drives me crazy, is that as long as your argumentation is speaking towards your thesis, you're golden, you're going to get an A on your essay, because that's all you have to do. Like you're as long the weird essays start to falter is when their points are not directly tied to their thesis, and that's it. So if your thesis is flesh and blood is a fighting game, and I start talking about butterflies in a meadow. That's like, cut that shit out and only speak to what is in your thesis. Um, and so that's that, like that as my, you know, constant mantra in my mind, as I'm writing scripts is basically what allows me to not worry about it anymore, because I look at the paragraph and I go, does this speak to my thesis? No cut it. Does that make sense? Yep.
1: Yep. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about that, uh, that video flesh and blood as a fight scene. Um, for mm-hmm. me personally, that was the video that got me hooked onto your channel. Cool. Um, As did yeah.
0: 16,000 other
2: people. <laughs> No, not, fly, no, fighting that, game that's is the, the
1: one. Oh, the fighting game, oh, one. Sorry. Oh, sorry. not the fighting game. Yeah, yeah, scene. yeah. No,
2: they're confusing. their yeah. Their titles are like really similar. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'm, I'm just pulling the hipster card here and saying sorry. I I subscribed to you before you were, Hell you were yeah. big. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um,
2: we're very pro hipster here.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but I I'm fascinated and, and we've talked about it a a little bit here, but I, I I'm always fascinated by the game outside the game even beyond Mm -hmm. how we feel as the players that are directly involved but when it comes down to the game in the context of a tournament or even something like the roar of the crowd as Mm -hmm. you know as the defeated player lays down their cards and the winning player you know stands up and Mm -hmm. and lifts their their hands up in the air like what is it that that compels you to examine a game not only from the perspective of the mechanics themselves and also their impact on the players but really on the entire environment as a mm-hmm. whole like that's what spoke to me most about that that essay and I'm right. just very curious like how how do you even conceptualize that
2: yeah so the the way that I guess I think about it is and this is one of the reasons why I think tcgs in general are so beloved by the fans of tcgs is that when when you're so there's a there, there's a degree to which you can subscribe to any game right there's like people who play Diablo 4 and then there's people who hit level 100 after a couple of weeks and they make content about it and they're you know they they make builds and they put them online and, blah, 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 and you know on and on and on and on and on and then there's the people who you know they have Marvel Snap and they play the cards that they got for free and they don't care if they made, you know, eh, I got silver this season. Woohoo, you know. Um, and then there's people who like start Marvel Snap zone and they analyze the data and they put up all that stuff. And in my mind all of this is all part of the game. So like if you're playing Diablo 4 and you go to icy veins and you look up your build guide, your leveling guide, you're you're playing an extra part of the game which is participating in a community right so the diablo 4 community put together this thing so that more community members have more information and tcgs have like some of the biggest game to offer in terms of like the number of permutations of the game in terms of the that there's more to being a tcg player than playing a game There's the going to your local store and seeing that guy, or seeing that new guy, and you're like, "Oh, I'm so glad he's back," or that new girl, and you're like, "Oh, I'm so glad she's back," but she doesn't look so she doesn't look so happy this week. Blah 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 blah. All of this is part of flesh and blood. This is all part of the flesh and blood experience, or magic experience, Pokemon experience, you know, whatever. Is this idea of like, um, that you tell these stories not about like the most interesting mechanics that ever happened in 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 the game. You tell the story about like that one time you saw, you know, your the the person you taught to play beat somebody else and you're like, that was such a cool moment to see. Or like when the person you taught to play beats you. These are how do I want to put this? These are all like these are all part of the of the experience of of the game itself. And it's it's I guess it's incorrect in my opinion to think of the game as the game and then the community as the community. Does that make sense? Like they're together. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and selling cards, that's part of it. Like you open the card and you're like, Oh cool. I got this legendary. I'm not going to use sell. Right. That's a part of the, um, that's a part of the experience. That's part of the, the flesh and blood experience where it's like, you can even imagine it, it like Vorthosi, if you want, where it's like, uh, you're, you main Dorinthia and you pull Scabskin leathers out of your, uh, out of your pack. And you're like, well, these don't go with Durantia. I'm going to take them back to Solana and sell them and, and get my uh, Valiant Dynamo. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Everyone's saving up for, right? And, every, and and then everybody has their own kind of like specific experience of how they got into the game. People remember the first legendary you pulled. I pulled Vambrace of Determination. That was my first legendary. Um, everybody remembers like the first Fable you pulled except for me because I haven't pulled one. Me um, neither. And, <laughs> <yeah>. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> everybody remembers... Um, you know, the first time they really realized how to block, for example, I, I remember the first time I finally realized it was after watching, um, I think it was Arsenal pass. And then I was employing the techniques in like a felt table match. And I was like, Oh, got it. Got it. I finally understand how to block. So yeah, all of that stuff is just, I think this is why TCGs are so beloved though, because they, they offer game even outside the game, right? They offer like you can watch markets and there's so many ways to even just get into a TCG. Like you can do the Staxwell route or the and box route, right? Where it's like fluke was just interested in investing in something and and then selling it. And then he had like a total change of heart and he was like, actually I want to play and Mm -hmm. I want to set up a single shop. And like now he's part of this big community of people. Um, and he didn't, you know, it wasn't because he wanted, he loved to play flesh and blood. It was for a totally different reason. Yeah, I guess that's... Did that answer your question? Yeah, totally. No, it makes so much
1: much sense when you put it that way. Even in the way that you describe TCGs as being so much more compelling than even the most fun, most competitive, most well-designed video game. Fundamentally, the way I would engage with that video game is I would sit down at my computer and I would boot up the matchmaking service and play the game and I would be upset or happy within the context of the game and maybe I'll post something to Reddit or a forum. And that might be the end of my engagement. I'm not going to the LGS. I'm not meeting people in real life. I'm probably Mm -hmm. not going to local tournaments and, and all of that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you mentioned Mm -hmm. that there's so many different segments of the community that I I don't want to say are forced to interact, but happen to interact through this shared medium of mm-hmm. flesh and blood, mm-hmm. blood in this case uh, similar right. to you know the way we engage with uh, the community around <laughs> us and uh, right. yeah no that's that, that's awesome so you you took all of those um, thoughts and and just conceptualized all of them into the the flesh and blood as a fight scene video did that video get the response and engagement that
2: you were expecting at the time yeah um i thought that that video because that was like the first video that actually got any amount of like people talking about it. Right. Like I put that one out, and I remember like Bryn from the Banished Zone talked about it. Heiner, that that video, for example, got me my first Patreon subscriber. Um, in the in in Heiner, uh, he runs he runs a really big store here in Germany. Shout out to Heiner. He also like he saw that video and he hit me up and he was like, by the way, uh, we want you to come to. Are battle hardened in in Germany next year, so you're gonna do that, right? And I'm like, you're damn right, I'm gonna do that. Nice. Um, So in terms of like personal success, I was like, wow, I got that on the third video. That's that's cool. And I figured after Flesh and Blood is a fighting game, though, that that video would would have gotten more views and more got more talked about. Uh, Because I personally feel like that video. Well, no, I don't know. I love all my children. (laughs) <laughs> but like, yeah. uh, it
1: speaks I, to me as like a community builder because it, it has a broader scope. Is right. the way yeah, I yeah. would I would put it right? Because it's yeah. not just trying to look at the game mechanics and why they may be narratively satisfying or better reframed in a sure. way. But right, yeah, 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 no, you're you're talking in in the fight scene video. You're really touching on all those community aspects, right? Yeah, and so
2: I thought that yeah, it almost like that video might become sort of an anthem for, for, um, for the flesh and blood community, not that I like expected it and I'm like, yeah. damn it. I, why are I, I am the Anthem, but just like the, Oh, kind of interesting that, um, that, that video didn't get like more watched, um, as a result of flesh and blood as a fighting game. Cause while I, I think flesh and blood as a fighting game might be the better essay. I think that flesh and blood as a fight scene is something I have more expertise in talking about like fiction. But yeah. Just cause I know a lot more about fiction than I do about fighting games like i know a decent amount about fighting games but nothing compared to fiction so yeah the i'm i'm ultimately happy with the response though because like i think the people who liked it and loved it really really loved it and they really loved the like that was my attempt at going you know about as like oh never mind i, I was just about to dive into like a 20 minute discussion on like postmodernism and sincerity and stuff but like that's probably my most sincere video where it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be vulnerable as a content creator to generate an emotional response for people. Um, because I, you know, I wanted to, right. I wanted to be, I wanted to be vulnerable in front of a big group of people so that we could all feel that emotion together. That's why, like, when I said, um, that damn fist bump, I'm, I'm genuinely like, I had to do that one like four or five times to make sure I got it right, to, to get that, um, that line correct. And I had to put myself in that emotion like I had to really force myself to feel that way because it's hard to do that when you have like headphones and a microphone in front of you you're alone in your office you know to generate that emotional response I think is really important for that video because that's what that video is about yeah is feeling emotional when you play this game
1: would you this is just a thought that that crossed my mind but would you consider the way in which people engage so so deeply and passionately about something like flesh and blood to be similar to the way people can engage with something like sports like their fandom of their Mm -hmm. local sports team be it um as a player or as a spectator or Mm -hmm. through any one of the various support um roles um around Mm -hmm. sport and you're talking about it between matches and engaging with
2: it in all these different ways. Would you consider it to be similar? Totally. I think it's actually really, really similar. This is actually kind of a video idea I had. It's very early days on it. Like I don't, I don't really have much of a thesis for it yet. Maybe I'll develop it right now. Mm. But the, um, but yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of similarity because like I can go play basketball or soccer, right? Like, um, but that's not gonna, it's, it's a similar but not the same feeling as like my connection to the Utah Jazz because I'm from Utah, right? So I love that NBA team. And I, I can't really watch their games anymore because they're always on at like 2 in the morning. Yeah, But um, I really, really, really love that basketball team. So while I go, and I think a lot of people do this too, where like you when you're a kid, you go to the court or a field or whatever and you do something badass and you kind of imagine yourself how you saw – your hero, your sports hero on the rink, court, field, what have you? Like, you know, I used to imagine John Stockton's like one of my favorite players of all time and I used to imagine like I'm out on the court and I'm shooting my basketball and then I get the pass from John Stockton himself even though he was like 38 at the time. Um and like super gonna retire. I'm like, but when I get to the NBA, it'll be no problem. But yeah, so I think that there's actually a lot of um there's a, a lot of similarities between the two where like You know, I, I play draw my a lot. That's probably the hero I play the most. And I look up to Ian and Jamie Faulkner and Mara Faris. Like I look up to those players because I, I love the way they play and they play my hero, my hero on, um, on like the biggest stages. And there's an emotional investment just like it would be with the Utah jazz where it's like. He, and in some ways, it's even more so because, like, I I watched them so intently to learn how they play dromai. I mean, I even I paid or I I did a coaching session with Jamie just to learn. Like, I just wanted to know, and um, it, it, with no intent of like winning a calling or anything. It was just like I just want to know. Um, and that conversation was really eye opening for me from his perspective. But so whenever I see him play, I'm like, go Jamie. So that's. I definitely definitely see a lot of similarities between those things because and you see it all the time like there's discords for illusionists, there's sections of discords for illusionists, there's sections for warriors right Everybody's on the warrior team, the guardian team, the illusionist team and especially in flesh and blood, people are like religious about oh yeah some of these like classes and heroes like the League of Leviah or the cult of Azalea. I mean they call themselves a cult
1: yeah it's uh no that this was really great and just to to repeat um you know i i i do think this is you know it's my favorite video and it's it's really hard for me to choose they're all so high quality but if if anyone listening has not watched um flesh and blood as a fight scene um and you think you might be interested uh please
2: yeah yeah give it a watch yeah (laughs) Shay, it looked like you were about to say something.
0: I I didn't realize I muted myself.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) But I was
0: going to... We've kind of talked about this concept before and um, in your Flesh and Blood is a Fighting Game, Mm -hmm. uh, you also talk quite a bit about it In people find an affinity with a hero in -hmm. Flesh and Blood, whether it be the art style, whether it be... uh, Mechanics. Mechanics, or even something we touched on earlier... Uh, opening a leg- their first legendary, you're like right. I open a grasp. Guess I'm playing Viserai because I got yep. this power card, mm-hmm. and people players invest that time into that hero and mm-hmm. fall in love with that hero, and then start to learn the nuances and intricacies, and you become better and you find more success. Which I mm-hmm. also feel feels like that propels you to keep playing that hero mm-hmm. to get better and better because winning is exciting and fun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I guess I'll, I'll segue into the flesh and blood as a fighting game. Um, mm-hmm. there's, <clears throat> sorry. Um, you know, it's got like over 16,000 views at this point. Um, where did Still you blow my mind? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. Where did you come up with the idea for this video?
2: Yeah, so it's a good question. So w- like in the video, I say, um, when I sat down with my friend, Jake, the, the, the guy who, who told me about the game and we played. I said that that exact line to him like that. That is actually a true thing that happened where I was like, this reminds me of a fighting game. Mm -hmm. That wasn't for the video because he and I. So Jake, that same guy, he actually edits some videos for me. He edited uh, Phantasm for me. He's the one who got me into fighting games many years ago, like 2016 about. He and I played fighting games for years and years and years and years and magic together as well. When we started playing flesh and blood, I was like, whoa, this game really does remind me of a fighting game. And that has always been on the back of my mind. Like ever since I started playing in 2021 at Monarch, like um, he he and I sat down to play the game online because he's in the US, I'm in Germany, but we played the game online and I was like, whoa, I could totally see this as a fighting game. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then going on and and learning more. I, I felt that way as well. And then I, like I said, I took a break. Well, not a break. I just couldn't find the cards. Yep. So I, um, so I put flesh and blood on the back burner for a while. And then when I came back and I saw drama and that she was like a puppet character in a fighting game, I was like, holy shit, this is it's, it just keeps going and it, so this, this video idea has always been there and it was, um, and originally I wanted to make the Prism video after flesh and blood as a fight scene. And then you can you can see my upload dates. There's a huge gap between Flesh and Blood is a or is a fight scene and Flesh and Blood is a fighting game. And that's because I was hell bent on putting out Prism after Flesh and Blood is a fight scene, which is why the titles look a little weird when they're right next to each other <laughs> yeah. in the YouTube channel. Yeah. Right. Because I couldn't get Prism to work. And I was like, well, if I can't get the Prism script to work, what am I going to do? And then I was going through my list of like video ideas that I had and I was like, oh. I could probably do flesh and blood as a fighting game now. And so I wrote it and I just kept going and going and going and going and going. And then the video came out and now I'm apparently I'm, I'm writing for the right times now. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. It was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, speaking of, I need to write that next article. Oh, man. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't read those, that's actually an expansion of the theory. So like I'm going deeper on the fighting, nice. fighting game thing now. I need to check um, that out. Yeah, I will. Yeah. So um, just... Oh, sorry,
0: go ahead. ahead. No, go, I ahead. Was go gonna, ahead. I was just gonna do a follow-up um, mm-hmm. l- a little bit off topic. Do you have a release schedule for your videos or they just kind of come out whenever you get
2: um, there? So the goal right now is to develop a release schedule. Okay. I, I think by uh, bringing on Jake, my buddy, yep. to, uh, to help me with the editing, I think I can get a little bit closer to the idea of a release schedule. Sure. Um, the goal is to like no more than two months even though I just broke that rule, but like no more than two months between videos, because it's like, cause like, you know, I, I still, I work a job and sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and I, I got the dog that I got to take care of and you know, he's a hellion and, <laughs> um, and it, you know, we're, we're traveling, right. Yeah. Um, like, uh, like my wife's a teacher, so we're about to go into summer break and it's yeah. going to be pretty hard cause we're going to be doing stuff during yeah. summer break. But yeah, so it's like, a I'm definitely of the opinion that like if the script if if I force myself to put the script out too early, if I force myself to put the script out before it's done and the video is bad, that's much worse than just waiting or like taking more time to finish the video for sure. Um, Especially right now, you know, like if there were if I had like 50 Patreon members and there was, you know, and I had like 3000 subscribers and I had announced that I would release a video on the second Tuesday of every month. Then it's like, okay, now it's, now it's go time. Like yeah. I have, I have like an actual financial vested interest to make sure that I do this when I say I'm gonna do it. Um, but right now it's, it's definitely like, let's try to get one. Okay.
0: So jumping back into flesh and butter as a fighting game, sort of deep dive was it frustrating for you to see people sort of like fit a square peg in a round hole by using these archetypes that you kind of go into in detail in that video about like the rush down versus aggro concepts right
2: yeah yeah uh, yes uh, <laughs> because and i understood why because that's what i did as well i was like icelander is a control hero and every time i said that i was just like hmm i have uh, an issue though yeah um And, but yeah, so like, I think one of the things I very much subscribe to is the idea of like giving things names gives them power, right? So like, if you name something, if you name, if you never name your dog, you're kind of a weird psychopath. But like, if you, if you, if you you never, once you name your dog, the dog is imbued with a sense of power, right? In terms of like, it's, it's a named thing. It's an important thing. Using the hand-me-down names of magic I think it keeps flesh and blood from becoming bigger um, because we don't have our own nomenclature. We don't yeah. have our own. I mean, we do. We do have our own nomenclature. We do have our own vernacular uh, for various things, right? Like fatigue or um, sinking. Like I love sinking. Yeah, I love that. Sinking's work. great. I could do a whole video on sinking because yeah. I love the the concept of sink. Um, I think it's just such so cool um, that that exists and that's born out of just community the community existing mm-hmm. and but when you use hand me down names from a game that you don't want to be associated with right um and not for any particular like we hate magic and magic players but just like the you don't want to be we're a different game we're we want to stand alone yeah we're not magic lite yeah. this game isn't a different version of magic it's it's a it's its own game and I see it all the time on the Reddit where people come like in that part in the video where it's like, I want to, I, I used to play storm in magic. What should I play in flesh and blood? And that one's kind of easy you just yeah. tell them Kano, but like, um, or like I used to play infect. It's like, ah. you know, it, I can't help you here. Like th- there's, there's a lot more to this than, than just like what you used to play in magic. Like for example, you could probably find me on Reddit, but like somebody posted um i I used to play or i want to get into flesh and blood what should i play and i said okay there are two questions that you need to answer here number one is what do you normally like to play in rpgs um and number two what where do you feel most comfortable in a card game like first like two-part question how experienced are you with card games number two where do you feel most comfortable within card games right and so if they say very experienced combo player, then it's like, okay, cool. But you can't just say that you have to, you have to answer the first question as well, which is what happened when this person posted this, they said, they, they said, oh, well, I play combo control decks in, in, um, in magic. And it's like, okay, cool. That's great. Um, in that game, you're not role playing as a hero. You're like this weird mythical planeswalker creature that can like summon ma- lands or something. Yeah. Um, and so I need you to answer that first question because if you don't answer the first question, I can't direct you to a hero that I think you're gonna like, the the RPG question. And this is all born from the idea that we're still using these hand-me-down names for magic. What I would rather do, and like if we end up not landing on Rushdown, uh, all-rounder, zoner, and grappler in for fighting games, like we, if we don't end up using those, that's totally fine. I don't, I'm fine with not using those. But what I want to do is and what I wanted that video to do was get people thinking about what are we actually doing in flesh and blood? What are the wind conditions? Because agro doesn't fit. It doesn't fit flesh and blood in the way that we think it does like agro. I've said this on it. I said this when I did an interview with push the point, but agro and magic is very different from agro and flesh and blood. And it operates on a fundamental. axis that does not apply in flesh and blood. Yeah. Like at all where you you put a one 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 down on the table and if you like block that or if you use the one one to block you were screwing up actively as the as the aggro player whereas in flesh and blood as the rushdown guy you absolutely are going to need to block at some point in that game whether that's to prevent an on hit or to you know keep a crucial tempo swing going or something like that right um and just the existence of blocking itself means that we need to think about it differently and so that's what that video is for but anyway go on
1: for such a i mean i'm just thinking about the broad terms control aggro as it relates to something like magic and even something like control is so broad it means totally different things to different magic players as well it's like do you enjoy being able to answer your opponent's threats do you enjoy inevitability do you enjoy right. permission? And I, I have a feeling that the word is so vague on one right. side, and then it gets transmuted into a whole different framework of a game in flesh mm-hmm. and blood. And it just sets people up for wrong expectations. Like someone right. says they like control, but they actually just liked permission control and saying no when their their right. opponent uh, tried to do yeah. something, but they don't care about the inevitable. The inevitability aspect. So a lot of people
2: say, "Oh, you you should play Oldham." They yeah. they block a lot, like. But yeah, it's like that. Those are two totally yeah. different things. Yeah, totally. Like, it, it's somebody who loves the permission magic, yeah, you are totally right. Is yeah. like, there is no, there is no guarantee that they, what they're going to like to do is uh, think about their hand in terms of block value and not attack value. There is not. There is absolutely no sense whatsoever that those two things are going to translate for the same player.
1: Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah. you're you're probably the person that I need to say this to the least out of everyone because you have a degree <laughs> in English, but words right. are power, right? Like yeah, yeah. By, by defining your language you 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 get to precisely help people. And I, I see right. that, that you're you're in the trenches on Reddit helping people, yeah. you know, reframing <laughs> it as RPG characters, which I think is is great because yeah, yeah people resonate so so strongly with those
2: those characters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like if you play any, any amount of RPG, you're, you're probably more likely to find your hero than if you played magic. Like if you played Diablo, what did you play in Diablo? You played Barbarian? I got the hero for you, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's the, that's definitely the. Kinda kind of the, the, the thrust for that video was not so much that we need to adopt all fighting game stuff because that's just trading one set of hand-me downs or another yep. set of hand-me downs, but the um the the real thrust of the video was like, let's actually start talking about this. Yep. Like it is obvious, I think, at this point, that flesh and blood should not be using the terms for magic. We it is it is biting us in the ass all the time. Because it's like we have uh, agro combo and control and fatigue <laughs> you yeah, know or like uh, and fatigue is kind of control but it's also like maybe mid-range you know eh, who knows like and it's because we just we, the community hasn't done the work to to actually establish what the differences are and come up with our own plan
0: that's probably one of my favorite things about the video is that you challenge this notion of what archetypes the decks can be um mm-hmm. one of the things that i i, I personally don't like is I don't like the concept of this is just the way it is because that's mm. the way it's always been. And nobody right. challenges, well, why do we do it that way? It doesn't make right. sense when we look at it. We're like, it doesn't make sense to call control control. Cause all you're doing is blocking and defending. That was the original term of control. It was like, Oh, you just block. Well, what are you controlling? If you're just blocking, you're not, you're letting your opponent do yeah, whatever it's... they want. There's no control there.
2: No control. Whatsoever. So, oh, yeah.
0: And with your video reaching so many people, I, I hope that it does do that spur that thrust that you mentioned that we start talking about the, a new way to define what a deck is. Mm-hmm. And cause you're right. It only encapsulates anywhere from like 20 to 60% of what a deck is when you call something control or fatigue. Right. And we need yeah, yeah. broader strokes, or maybe we don't, we find different ways to, to name stuff because like every hero, like any, every hero that we would consider something to be, aggro like you touched on Mm. in your video and briar they do it totally different
2: totally different yeah totally different
0: and so it's not fair to necessarily sometimes always call them you know like an aggro or something like that Mm -hmm. when they are they have you know different dynamics within the deck
2: right yeah yeah like briar's almost like a power-up character and five's like he's he's like a little bit more of a consistent uh damage output dealer with a with a with a combo package as well but like that was the other thing, too, is like combo other than like Kano, I mean, there's no, there's not really a combo deck like in Magic. There's like no. 700 million different like, oh, I played this artifact and win on the spot combos.
1: We can wrap up um, talking about um, Flesh and Blood um, as a fighting game here, and I guess before we, we leave off, I I do have to ask um, and I guess basically accuse you of um, collusion with Capcom and in their mm-hmm. Release date of Street Fighter Six. You have cost yep. me a lot of money over the past couple <laughs> of months. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm actually a sleeper agent for Capcom. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And there's uh, many
2: of us. We were all activated.
1: <laughs> they better be <laughs> paying you royalties. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Because yeah, I've 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 spent on the game uh, uh, hitbox, and it's not just oh, me. Nice. It's
2: it's a it's a lot of people. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, well i'm glad you went with hitbox that, was, yeah. that i love i have mine right here Ooh. oh this is an audio only podcast isn't yeah. it? that's Never okay mind. i'm not you can show it. us okay <laughs> felix we can, will appreciate we can it geek out. that's yeah. awesome yeah, yeah. it yeah. used to have blade runner art um, amazing but uh i took it out because the blade runner art is really old now it's just it was like the it's just a piece of paper underneath the underneath the plexiglass so it was like yeah. getting kind of getting kind of old but um yeah, I, uh, fighting games, man. They're uh, they're pretty cool, right? Like they, yeah. <laughs> I, I I actually liken fighting games a lot to um, to card games because they have a very similar thing. Where like you know the the amount of people who play League of Legends dwarfs I think all of card gaming, maybe combined, maybe the the amount of people is astronomical. Absolutely, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. For one for one game, you know, and and the and the same goes for fighting games. Like the FGC is not very big but the people who are into the fgc are as passionate about it as people who are into the tcg community right or any given tcg right and i think that that (laughs) this is going to be a weird analogy but like i remember we adopted a dog two years ago and when it was as a puppy and this puppy was he was a monster puppy and i like i love him now but I remember reading at their, in the early days where I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like this dog is way too frustrating. Um, reading online that frustration actually helps people develop a deeper connection with something. If everything is easy sailing, easy going, you're going to kind of like, even if you really like the experience, you're not going to develop a really deep connection with it. And the frustration is actually a really key aspect of developing a deeper connection to something. So while my dog annoys the shit out of me, I probably love it more than anything else, except, you know, like my wife and, and, uh, I think that's it. Um, and having health insurance in Germany, that's another one. Um, (laughs) that's love that. Yeah. It's Uh, great. So that's, that's like a third, you know? Um, but yeah, so those, those three things are like really, really, really important and all three of them are very frustrating. Um, and I, and I would say the same thing for fighting games. Like I have never been so pissed in my life as when I play fighting games, like nothing has made me more angry. I also am like inextricably linked to fighting games now. Like I can't, I, I'm never going to be able to not play fighting games. Um, because, and and this goes for everything, right? Like if you've ever learned to play an instrument, for example, sometimes you want to throw the guitar through the window and then it also remains one of your most prized possessions. Right or it, drums or whatever you know any anything that requires frustration in order to get better at it it and all it, yeah, it all ties back to way. that
1: to that narrative arc that you were talking about right like if everything was just happy 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 then there's there's no story there it's just melt right. oh, toast uh, everyone's ha- everyone's fine everything's yeah. great you know you need that adversity
2: right um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, um, and I think armories are a great way to think about it as well. Where like, I go to my armory and I bring Briar one week and I lose. and I'm like, damn it. And then I go home and I rethink it and I. Yeah. So like there's this feud, it's like it's a friendly feud, but there's this feud where this guy plays Dromai at my armory every single week. And my goal has been to play a hero that gets him off of Dromai because I want to play Dromai and we can't have two dramas at the shop. <laughs> oh, come on. We, we can't know uh-huh. there's not enough people there's only six people right. and we usually the sixth is usually a new player and if that new player is going to play against two drom they're never coming back yeah so i always bring dromai with me and if i see him play dromai i'm like you never get to play dromai all right fine so then it's like well now i'm gonna bring out Phi. let's go because we always play against each other too every armory like even if there's enough people that we wouldn't have to for some reason we always get paired mm. um I still haven't gotten him though. I still haven't gotten him off drummine. I've tried. But that's been an emotional roller coaster for me in the in in my local.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just moving along, with uh getting a spoiler card and being retweeted by James White, do you feel like you've broken through as a content creator at this point?
2: Uh I would I I guess so. Like it didn't the thing that's weird is like it didn't feel like it. Like I, when I saw James White comment on the Flesh and Blood as a fighting game thing, I about passed out. Um, yeah, I was like, holy shit! I didn't expect that to happen. Like I went to Battle Hard in Germany, and somebody came up to me and they're like, "You're a Gorgonian Tome, right?" And I'm like, "Whoa, that's a weird experience. Yeah. That's a very, very strange experience for me." Or, um, and then later that weekend, somebody was like, "Yeah, I read your, um, I read your post on Kugani Gaming's uh, thing. Like I wrote an article about how to." how to learn how to play drama. Um, and he was like, yeah, you're the reason I play drama. I'm like, what? Yeah. So like, technically if I look at Dylan from like a third person perspective, it's like that guy, I guess has become of like an official for the flesh and blood content creator. Yeah. But me in the first person perspective, all of that stuff still surprises the hell out of me. Like I didn't expect it to be so fast. Like one of the things I said, and I, cause I talked to Kugane pretty frequently. One of the things I said to Kugane was part of the reason why I'm making the videos on the schedule that I am and the content I'm making is that I'm playing a long game here. Like I want all my videos. I have, th- I have a mantra for, th- th- I have three like requirements for my videos. One they're evergreen, so you can watch them at any time and they will still be interesting. Yeah. Um, they're not topical, right? Um, I mean, if they're topical, it's by happenstance, like prism like the 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 phantasm video coming out at the same time as dust still done or flight flesh and blood is a fighting game at the same time as street fighter six um so evergreen evergreen content number two is that they need to teach something it's something about some subject and number three is they need to be they, they need to deal with some form of emotion in some capacity like you know uh Star- story of starbo is hate um Flesh and Blood is a fight scene is like the literally just emotional roller coaster, yep. and uh, Flesh and Blood is a fighting game is like this. Um, oh, I for, I can't remember what I described the emotion to, but anyway, well, I'm not, I'm rambling. I'm not talking about the, the question here. Um, so the the question of becoming a content creator is like Gorgonian Tome feels like a content creator. Dylan is still struggling with that concept.
0: Fair enough, right? You know, if I personally had to put it like being successful or broken through however you want to look at it Mm a couple of things what i would say is that um they're intelligent they're creative and well thought out like you're doing something that nobody else is really doing like we kind of mentioned and it just they're good it is good content to watch Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of looking at surface level numbers for somebody that has like just under you know 900 subscribers you have thousands of views on your video so like they're 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 reaching out to people, they're, they're enjoying that content, it it looks like. And yeah, so, you know, what you're putting out is good quality content, and and Mm -hmm. you're probably going to see that.
1: Yeah. The word word content doesn't even feel appropriate, because I mean, the word content even bothers me when it's being used to describe something that's thoughtful, that's artistic. Yeah, that's well crafted. Like these are the
2: these are works of art, right? Like, Yeah. That's it. well that's a, that's actually something that's really interesting to me because I put this out on Twitter in the early days of Gorkani and Tome and I was like I don't like the term content creator for any content creator because content creator is like job haver or work worker you know it's like what do you what what do you mean like yeah. a, a content creator it doesn't that that that's a I I understand why people use it and I use it all the time now because it's, that is the accepted terminology Mm -hmm. for it. But, um, but like, I, I don't feel so much a a content creator as I do a writer. Right. Or like, um, I don't feel like you guys are content creators, you're interviewers. Right. Yeah. Um, And because that's a very different thing, right? If you, if you say everything is a content creator, then content is just kind of this like gloop of things that are vaguely associated with something. But for convenience sake, we have to say content creator. Um, And and so, yeah, I well, I I agree with both sides. Like I agree with you, um, Felix, in in the idea that. that like, I don't view my videos as like content. I view them as like individual pieces that I worked on. Right. And Mm -hmm. the channel is like the collection of them. But I also totally understand why people think of it as like, oh, yeah, he's a content creator. Anyway, uh, what was I... There was something else I was going to say about that. <laughs> I think it's gone. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> We've been dabbling <laughs> we'll for a while part. here. Yeah, <laughs> I guess
0: just one more follow-up question sure. to the idea of the channel. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any ultimate goals or any thoughts that you might want to spill to our listeners about what the future holds for the channel?
2: Sure, yeah. Um, so for me, like... The success came a lot sooner than I thought it was going to come. Like, I I remember back in the early days of like Flesh and Blood is a fight scene and um, and story of Starvo. So early days, this was like literally five months ago Um, is like, I, I remember being very heartened by the idea that not so much the views, but that I had like 300 views and 20 comments. And that to me was like, this is awesome. This is a, this is, this is really good. And this is indicating to me that the people who like this really, really like it because I, the whole reason why Gorgonian Tome exists is because I wanted to watch it. I wanted to watch Ristic studies of fab and I kept hoping that it was going to come and it wasn't coming. And I was like, I'm just gonna do it then. Right? Like I've always operated on this idea of like, if you want to, if you want to read a book that reminds you of playing bloodborne. I've said this on another interview actually if you want to if you want to read a book that reminds you of playing bloodborne and you go look for it you can't find it like it's really hard to find a novel that really reminds you of playing bloodborne like yeah you can go read hp lovecraft but you can't go read um a book that reminds you of bloodborne like action-packed eldritch horror um but with a sense of like ethereal madness and 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 frightening horror and um the horror is born out through the violence right like the closest thing i can think of is like Cormac mccarthy's the road but that's a western novel and so my my whole thing is like if you can't find that thing that you wished existed that's probably a good indicator that you should be doing that thing yep right like with your guys's your guys's whole thing is like interviewing people and talking about the game from like a more casual emotional experience right like at least that was my experience listening to the podcast It's not so much like what are the top five tips to compete at your next battle heart? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's do a deep dive on every card and it's competitive viability. It's more like the um, having a personal conversation with somebody and that actually doesn't exist. Right. Like, well, I mean, it does now in the, in the IP (laughs) two podcast, but like other than like Tommy fresh, but Tommy fresh kind of comes at it from a different angle. He's almost like kind of. He's got like a library of people that, you know, and he's talking about more topical things where this, your guys, stuff feels a little more evergreen to me. Like it's, it might be a little hard to go back and listen to an old fresh and buds episode, right? Not to say that that's bad. It's just, it's two different types of content. So the, the thing to get to the question now, uh, five minutes after rambling is that the goal for the channel is really to just keep putting out like, new things to get the community talking like my ultimate goal for the channel is for people to talk about the game differently as a result of the videos. To change the conversation and to kind of. To get to get people to think about the game in a different way, and I'm the way I'm choosing to do that is to just continuously come out with surprising things that I don't think anybody ever expected before about the way to think about flesh and blood, yeah. right? um because like yeah it's just that that's i'm not a good enough player to ever make a splash in that way i will never like come up with like the craziest deck that's gonna you know like holy shit this recontextualizes everything we thought about flesh and blood but i will probably come up with a really cool analogy and so i'm gonna lean into my ability to come up with cool analogies
0: you know Um, i i think you're the perfect person for it with your background and your education. Mm. And, you know, we've already seen it in the few videos that you put out that you've talked about things that probably nobody or very few people have thought of and looked at it right. in a different light.
2: Well, and also, I think a lot of people, I think it, what one of the things that really surprised me, well, not surprised me, I don't know, I guess surprised me, about Flesh and Blood as a fighting game video is that so many people commented, I had this exact thought, but I didn't say it. I had this mm. exact thought. I'd been thinking this when I played the game, but I didn't I didn't have the words to describe it. Or like, um, I'm so glad that you put this out because this is what I've always thought about flesh and blood. And I've said Mortal Kombat, but I didn't really think t- too much into it. Yeah. And it's like, cool, I'm glad that I can do that. Like, I feel in a very privileged position in which I can sit at my computer for hours on end and think about why things are the way they are, right? Like a weird f- flesh and blood philosopher guy where <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, I'm, I, I get to do that and not a lot of people get to do that, right? Yep. Not a lot of people work from home. A lot of people have to leave and they don't get a chance to think about stuff while they're working because they have to focus on their job. Yeah, so that I can do that for people is really cool. That's a really fun, amazing experience for, for me to be able to um, put to words what a lot of people are already thinking. Um, yeah. No,
1: those those goals are so... I, I struggle for the words. I uh, Noble seems like <laughs> a poor choice of words but it's the one that comes to mind in in that your goal is not to achieve a certain number of followers or to achieve a certain amount of views or mm. comments but but to change the conversation which is something that you already have done and and hopefully will be able to continue to do and right. and definitely shay and i will be rooting for you uh yeah. very hard to to continue to do that um
2: yeah yeah for sure yeah, and I appreciate it. I really do. No, it's awesome. It's it's really cool to to meet other people like everybody that reached out to me has been in kind of like our similar vein, right? Where it's like, we don't mind getting into some of the like emotional aspects of being a content creator or the emotional aspects of the game or and that's like, that's like my people like, uh, you know, that's where I'm going to be happiest is hanging out with people who can who can be like that. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, like, The followers and stuff i think that all to me i i pushed that aside a long time ago because i got some really good advice during my mfa from my professor he's still like one of my favorite people of all time his name is pinkney bedendict if you ever want to read any fiction by him he's an amazing fiction writer but he writes about uh, appalachian children that's like his that's his thing that's what that's what he's good at he was raised in west virginia and that's that's the thing that he does and he does it really well. He he might be one of the best living Appalachian writers and you know, full stop. Like he's just an incredible writer. What he told me a long time ago was that like if you're writing or if you're making something in order to be popular, then you're not going to be successful and you're not going to enjoy it. Whereas if you're making something because there's something that you have to make because you like it or love it, then you will eventually just find the people who also love it, and you will be more successful, and you'll enjoy it, right? Um, and so, I have to put all of those thoughts out of my head of like, you know, oh, I, I really hope to hit fifteen hundred subscribers by October or whatever. Like, a, I'm I'm about to do a giveaway, for example. When I hit eight fifty, I'm going to announce a giveaway to do some like promo cards, yep. and I don't like. I'm going to do it because I, I think it'll be fun for the, you know, the good deeds cards to go out to people. Uh, thanks Kugani, by the way, for doing that for me. I'm doing that because I, I feel like I should not because it's like, like, oh, yay. I, I can't wait to get more followers. It's, it's more like, okay, well, a 50, you know, this is probably something that a content creator should do. Like yeah. I, I you're don't not, care about it as much. Yeah, but you're not doing it to like drive the, yeah the, the, the subscriber race. Right. Cause what I, what I want to do is write essays. That's what I want to do. Yeah. I don't care about the number. I, I just want to write essays, but I should do it. Like I, this is like a eat your vegetables moment of like, okay, I'll do the giveaway, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah. No. And thank you so much for those words of wisdom, Dylan. We've taken up so much of your time here and I feel like we <laughs> can just keep talking and talking, but, um, one last question here is sure. what's your favorite personal moment in flesh and blood so far? it could My be favorite. from playing or from creating content or from spectating or being at an event, just your, your all time favorite <laughs> moment so far.
2: My all time favorite moment. Okay. Well, James White is like the de facto one, right? <laughs> like I, I have to just say that one. Yeah. Cause that was like an all time high for me of just like seeing that, seeing that the dude who created the game was like, yeah, you're right. I was like, uh that was about as as about as incredible of an experience as you can have i was hoping to come up with one that was a little more history though
1: that's the ultimate trump card whenever someone tries to argue with you in the comments of your flesh and blood is a fighting game
2: yeah it's like well james white said yes so you know there you go but there's something Um,
0: about that like i i get what you're saying and and we we met james white at worlds Mm-hmm. But there's something about, you know, I guess you could hip say hipster or grassroots about being in on the ground floor of the game mm-hmm. that you get to meet the guy that created this amazing game that we've all become passionate about. Mm-hmm. And that's a moment in time that a lot of people don't ever get to experience. Like people coming into Magic now right. don't necessarily get to meet Richard Garfield and sit down and right. have a conversation with him. Yeah. Right? Like So there is... I, I, like I said, it's kind of like low hanging fruit in a way, but you know, yeah, it's still, it's still is meaningful,
2: right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of like being a part of flesh and blood, having the creator of the game tell you that you were right about something is, I mean, just, inter- it's gotta be, the, you know, it, it, it can't even be a cliche, like it, because it's, it's not used enough to be a cliche. It's, yeah. it just is the case. I would say that maybe my favorite gameplay moment of all time, though, was when I played. Remember when I told you not too long ago about um, the the guy, the the competing my player at my yep. shop. So we went to an RTN in Pyramidsons and um, I didn't know he was going because I went with my uh, a couple of my buddies and then got there and I was like, oh, there he is. He came. And so then we um, we went into the shop and of course we get paired against each other because we always get paired against each other. And so when we were getting ready to do this, do do our match I was like here we go like this dude always beats me oh my god but I'm but I I feel like we're relatively on par with Dromai we get to the end of the game and I had pitch stacked a command and conquer so that I could try it it, because we're talking like there's 30 seconds on the clock and I draw that command and conquer he swings with the ender eye I pop it and then he extends his hand across the table that was probably like the most gratifying player moment Yeah, where it was like because I don't get a lot of chances to play competitively. Like there's just not a lot. So I do a lot of like competitive stuff either via Talishar or, um, you know that. Right. Um, and it's hard to feel those emotions when you're on like Talishar. Yeah. So yeah, for me, like doing that at an RTN, like a slightly, even even if it's just like an armory and a half, you know, it was still like, Oh my god and they ended up bubbling out at ninth at that time so oh, bummed so, about that it's always there. yeah gosh i was so bummed yeah because it was such a cool win it was like my favorite win yeah But yeah so it'd be like james wyatt and then also popping my rival drama at the that's, r10 okay
0: yeah well dylan i think that wraps it up for us today thank you so much for joining us on this uh adventure and deep dive into you and your channel it was super enlightening for myself and felix um, yeah. where can people find you online?
2: Well, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. It was awesome. Uh, it was, re- they, uh, I wasn't sure what to think. Right. Cause like I'd yeah. listen to your guys' stuff and I was like, they're really nice. This is going to be fun. I'm excited, but you know, you never know how it's going to go before you meet somebody, yeah. but uh, this, this was all, this was a really fun experience for me. Well, thank you. Um, to find me, you go to a Gorgani and Tom on Twitter, or you search Gorgani and Tom on YouTube. Or uh, I guess you could do at Cathartigan as well, although I think that that's going to get sunsetted soon. Fair, because like, man, I got a lot of followers from some of those videos. Yeah, and let's see, what was I going to say? Is there anywhere else? I don't think so. I still go by at Cathartigan on Discord, but but mostly just go to the YouTube channel. Okay, because that's where I hope people engage with me the most. Like Twitter's fun, but YouTube is where I'm like really putting my heart and soul into like making things.
1: And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this special episode of the IP2 podcast. You can find us on YouTube at IP2 podcast, on Twitter at IP2 podcast, and on Mastodon, IP2 podcast at wraith.social. Thank you. Oh, I gotta make one of those.
2: second yeah no worries my wife got trapped outside
1: (laughs) this should be pretty easy edit this is way too much fun come on
0: dude this is no 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 i meant this section where he gets up no this is so much fun and like again we're like you know an hour into this and i'm i'm just feel like i'm scratching the surface of this conversation with dylan and (laughs) i don't know how much more time we can eat up of you but this is a lot of fun
2: like yeah yeah, this is really fun no i mean you know there's always we can always have me back on i'm fine with that i love
0: i love that sorry i just want to side note the the people that we've had on the the show so everybody up to you and has been so passionate about every aspect that we've brought them on for. And Mm -hmm. so like, we're still passionate about the game. That's why we even have a podcast, but it's even just reinvigorating of having these different conversations and these different aspects and allowing us to like, look at the game differently. And Mm -hmm. we talked to, you know, you and you just, just the way you describe stuff. I'm like, I'm already excited about how I'm going to look at flesh and blood going forward from this day, because I never really looked at it as a story driven game. I looked at it as a mechanic game and I just really enjoyed the way the flow and the way the give and take. And like Felix said, we're board gamers and one of the things that got me into the game was that it's uh, um, all the cards are multi-use cards and that's Mm -hmm. something that hasn't really been explored in the board game um, world a lot where you're holding a hand of cards and yeah, they do three different things and you're like, well, what's the best way to do it Mm And flesh and blood? Mm -hmm excels in
2: that mechanical aspect of the game. Right. Yeah. 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 It's um it's just very interesting where like how backgrounds and 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 various things like that can dictate the way somebody thinks about something. Yeah. Because where we started this podcast is I basically I've only ever thought of games as a different type of story generator. Right. Yeah. Like all of my favorite games, I don't for example Total War. I don't know if anybody's ever played a Total War big game. fan, yep. Love Total War yep. games. And the specific reason why I love Total War games is because they tell me my own little unique story that nobody else gets to experience, right? This is, it is my customized story based on my actions and various things that the computer does to create emergent narrative, right? And that to me is like the most fascinating thing in the world. Like I think about it all the time every day is, is this concept of like emergent narrative and narrative being born from game. And so while some people might like, I'm not a min-maxer. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I do not find joy in min-maxing. Yep. I find joy in in the narrative that the game can put out. And it, there's nothing wrong with min-maxing either. I don't, I'm totally fine with people who, that that's how they enjoy the media. Enjoy the media however you like. I have no, you know, no no judgment. But for me, it's like, I will t- absolutely take suboptimal things if it means that it tells a more interesting story for me personally. Yep. Right. I will absolutely lose a game early if it actually has a good ending. Right. Like I will, I will allow myself to get killed by the the imposing p- p- faction in in Total War if it's like, wow, what a rise and fall. Like mm-hmm. I, he burned th- the the king burned too brightly and died. I'm yeah. Like, ah, beautiful. <laughs> Delete save. <laughs> 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 so,
1: we, we.